The reading this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. Good morning. My name is Steve Collicker. I'm the youth pastor here at HT. And I have to start this talk this morning with a confession. It's something that some of you might relate to. Some of you might want to switch off the service in disgust when you hear this. I'm sorry in advance, but I just have to get this off my chest. I am addicted to to-do lists. Now I realise that's pretty much the most unglamorous thing I could possibly admit, uh, but I just have to let it be known, I get such a sweet satisfaction when I can tick things off my list. Sometimes I even add things to the list later in the day that have already been done, just so I can have the pleasure of going, that job is complete. And sometimes I imagine a day, and you can imagine this with me if you're a bit like me, I imagine a day when I wake up in the morning and everything has already been done. My work done, all my household jobs done, sleep well done, exercise well done. Just imagine, savour that sweet feeling. I start with that because Christianity is a bit like a backwards to-do list. And sometimes it messes with my head. Christianity doesn't start with a list of things that we need to do. A list of things that we have to tick off and then one day we'll be finished. It starts 
with what God has done. Christianity doesn't start with what we have to do. It starts with what God has already done through Jesus, his life, his death on that cross for us, and his coming back to life again out of the empty tomb. But if that's the case, if we start with what's already been done, then, well, what do we do? We have the rest of our lives to live, so what are we supposed to do? And that is where Paul starts this chapter we just had read to us from Ephesians today. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul starts it by saying, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He spent the first three chapters talking about everything that God has already done, talking about how it starts with what has been done. And now he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And what does that mean? It's like live your life in light of what has been done. In some ways, it's like getting new shoes. You know, when you have old shoes and you go for a walk around the streets of Cambridge and you step in a muddy puddle or you're in the field and you step in a cow path, it doesn't really matter because they're old shoes. So it's okay if they get a bit muddy. They're never really clean anyway and so what. But when you get fabulous, new, clean, shiny shoes, you bet you're looking out for those puddles. There is no way you're walking in that cow pack because you want to make the most of the new shoes. You want to live a life worthy of the newness of your shoes. <laughs> or, it's because it's not just about negative, it's not just about what we avoid, it's also about what we embrace. So it's like if you only ever walked around Cambridge and sometimes you find yourself walking for an hour or an hour and a half and your, your new shoes are starting to get worn out and so instead you get a bike, a beautiful, shiny, new road bike. And then what do you do? You don't just walk, like walking your bike. No, you ride. You make the most. You live a life worthy of the newness of your bike. And you ride the streets of Cambridge and you continue to stop at red traffic lights, please. And thank you in advance. Paul is saying, live your life in light of what God has done for you. So what does that look like? What does that actually mean for us? Well, the first place that Paul goes in this letter to the Ephesians, the first thing he brings up, it's not an individual thing. It's not about my personal behaviour or me and God. It's community. Specifically, it's Christian community, the community of the church. The way that we can live our lives in response to what God has done starts here with our role and our place in the community of Christians. So that's what we're going to explore today in a few minutes. We're going to talk about how we can stay together, how we can work together and how we can grow together. And as we do that, let me pray for us. Father, thank you that we start Today, we start this talk by knowing what you have done for us. Knowing that the, the foundation of our faith is not what we do, but what you have done. And we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would teach each one of us and help us to hear what we need to hear today, to be able to be this community that you envisioned us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. So the first thing, the first way that we can be this community built around what God has done for us 
is to stay together. Stay together. A few years ago, actually back in 2008, I went to see uh, a game of football, a particularly glamorous game of football, in which an event happened which I will never forget. It was between West Ham and Stoke at West Ham's home ground, and Stoke were winning 1-0, okay, the away team. But early in the second half, West Ham equalised, 1-1, and the crowd went mad. I'm not even a West Ham fan, but I went mad with the crowd, swept up in the emotion, we were cheering the goal, and then suddenly the noise of the crowd changed. Instead of cheering, people were laughing and jeering and mocking, and instead of focusing on the West Ham players and their celebrations, we were looking at the Stoke team. Because in that moment, after the equaliser, two of the Stoke players had a kerfuffle. They were fighting with each other. They were holding each other at arm's length. And eventually one of them drew his hand back and whacked the other one around the head. And the crowd went mad laughing at the ridiculousness of the situation. And the referee ran over, presumably slightly bemused and not really sure what to do. And he brandished a red card and sent the Stoke player off. And Stoke conceded another goal and they lost 2-1. Apologies to Stoke fans. If you're going to get sent off in a game of football, the most unforgivable way to get sent off is for whacking one of your own team around the head. Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus and he's saying to the church today, you are the same team. You have so much in common. He makes a big list in verse 4, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. There is so much you have in common. You're a team. Don't fight with each other. Don't throw away what you have in common and get sent off for whacking your own team round the head. You know, it's so tempting to compete and compare between Christians and between churches. To think, oh, you know, someone has better theology than someone else or a better style of worship or better coffee after the service. That's particularly important. But even, even though those things can be important at moments, they're nothing compared to the unity that we're supposed to have around all these things that we have in common. Jesus prayed for us. He prayed for the church today. In John 17, he prayed for everyone who would ever believe in his name. And the thing that he prayed was that we would be as united with one another as Christians. We'd be as united with one another as Jesus was with Father God. And even more than that, he prayed that our unity with one another would be like a mirror of God to the whole world. We are called to be a team, to stay together. In Paul's words, in verse 3, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, this is a difficult thing to talk about because some of us would have had really, really positive experiences of the church community where we felt included and accepted and it's been amazing. Others of us would have had really tough experiences where we felt excluded and judged and pushed aside. And it's important for us to acknowledge how powerful those experiences can be for good or for bad. They can make such a difference in how easy and how great it is for us to follow Jesus. So how do we do this? How do we, in practice, 
stay together in this community? I can't actually answer that question for you completely, partly because we don't have time and partly because I don't know your situation, but I really put that to you to think about, to talk about with your household or your friends. What does it look like for us to stay together in this community? How can we foster that kind of environment? couple of things that have helped me. The first one is quite simple, maybe it's too simple really, but it's just listening. Listening. Paul says in verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. One of the things that I have had to learn the hard way is to listen to people who think differently, who see things a bit differently from me. I'm part of uh, a couple of communities of youth workers from around the country um, and we're from all different kinds of churches. There are people from the Roman Catholic Church, the Church of England, people who are probably more conservative than I'm comfortable with, people who are more liberal than I'm comfortable with, but we talk and we listen to each other and we share our perspectives and I have learned so, so much, which I think has massively boosted me in my own faith and my ability to lead others. On a smaller scale, I found home group incredibly significant. I love my home group. We have people from different ages and stages of life, different careers, different perspectives, and we do see things differently. And sometimes we kind of disagree on how we see things. But it's been such an enriching experience for me to learn to listen to people who see things differently. I've learned a lot actually about God and about faith just by listening to the people around me. What might it look like for you to listen, to hear someone's story before you come to a conclusion about them, to withhold judgment and instead to be curious, to be completely humble and gentle, as crazy a goal as that seems. And the second thing which I've already mentioned is to embrace the diversity of this community, to find ways to engage with groups of people. And I, I would put it to you, you know, if you're not in a home group, I know we say this so often, but it is an amazing way to do this, to build community, to get to know people who inevitably will see and think differently from you. What might it look like for you to embrace the community, to stay together in this season when it's so easy and tempting to be isolated on our own? Stay together. The second thing which Paul talks about, about how we can build this community around what Jesus has done, is to work together. A few years ago, I worked as a rugby coach in a secondary school, um, working with teenagers from 11 to 18. And one of the big changes that happens in rugby in those years, at the start, everyone wants to do the same thing. If the opposition have got the ball, everyone wants to go and make the tackle. Or if the opposition have got the ball and the player in question has had a growth spurt, everyone wants to run away. If our team has got the ball, Everyone goes towards the ball because they want to get the next pass. And the biggest thing they have to learn is that they have a role to play in the team. It's like wingers, you have to stay wide, otherwise we're never going to pass the ball to you. You're never going to be in space. Forwards, you have to get to where the tackle was made, otherwise we're always going to lose possession. You have to learn your role in the team. Paul says to the church in verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Everyone has received a gift. 
One of the great things about being a Christian is you don't have to look like everyone else. You don't have to dress like everyone else. You don't have to have the same gifts because each of us have been given gifts. And the aim is that we work together. We bring those gifts together to be this community. Paul quotes from um, Psalm 68 and it's this kind of image of God being victorious and, you know, collecting the spoils of victory. And Paul kind of twists the last line of the quote to make it not about collecting the spores, but giving them out again to his team. It's like if you, uh, if you win a quiz and you collect from the quiz master your box of celebrations and you bring it back and dish them out to your team, sharing the spores of victory. Well, that's what happens. Jesus has won. <laughs> he is victorious and he gives gifts to each of us. He gives each of us a role to play on his team. What might your role be to build this community centred around what God has done? When you look at the list that Paul says in verse 11, they sound quite kind of important and maybe a bit intimidating. You have uh, prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And it's important to say that some of the, the ways that we have to use our gifts involve certain positions, whether it's a position, a job, or whether it's a position volunteering in some way in the context of the Christian community, those things are great ways to use gifts. But it's also important to say that lots of the ways we use our gifts are much more everyday and subtle than that. One of the things that all these gifts have in common is that they're all about communication. They're all really about speaking. Paul sums it up in uh, verse 15. He says it's about speaking the truth in love. And the invitation to us is to use our words. That is incredibly significant at this time, actually. What a lot of us need right now is a word of encouragement. You know, someone who, who can speak into our life and share something encouraging when we're feeling a bit down and a bit isolated. I've been feeling like that quite a lot recently, if I'm honest. And I've treasured times. One of my friends messaged me a couple of weeks ago, someone I haven't seen for a while. And he said, hey, would you like to, one morning, would you like to catch up and pray together? And to be honest, I was kind of like, no, <laughs> I do so much of Zoom and chatting to people at the moment and I'm a bit exhausted of it. But I said, OK, fine, let's let's do it. And we did. And and I'm so glad we did. I needed his encouragement. You know, I needed him to pray for me. I needed to chat and share and for him to listen. How can we use our gifts at the moment, even if it's just the ability to listen? to speak, to share our perspectives, to pray with a friend. We need that so much in this time. Another way we can share our gifts is um, sharing our stories of what God is doing of our perspective. Again, I'll mention home group. One of the things I love about it is we come from different perspectives, different angles. There was one home group session at the start of January, again, where I was feeling so down and exhausted and grumpy at the whole situation around us. But other people had reasons to be thankful. Some great stuff had happened in other people's lives and it lifted my spirits. Because I came into that meeting being like, oh, so grumpy, everything's rubbish. And they came in being like, let's praise God because some good stuff has happened. How can you use the gifts you have, just the ability to share, to speak truth in love? How can you use that? to build up this community, to work together, to be this community centred around what God has done for us.
So stay together and work together and finally grow together. At Christmas, I received a card from my niece. She's three and it was basically some scribbles on a bit of paper. And you know, I loved it. I loved it because she's three and that's what a three-year-old draws as a Christmas card and it was great and a little memory of what she's like and it was up on the mantelpiece. If when my niece is 30 she is sending me cards with a bit of a scribble on a bit of paper I will not think it's as cute. I'll probably think you haven't really tried very hard there have you? <laughs> because we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to grow and the same is true of us as a Christian community we are supposed to grow. And actually, this isn't necessarily something to do. This is a promise that comes with the other things. As we stay together, as we work together, Paul says, we will grow. In verses 12 to 16, he talks about how we will grow in maturity, how we will grow in stability so that we are less tossed back and forth by different things, how we will grow up more and more to, into the fullness of Christ more and more to be like Jesus, as Paul puts it. In some households, I'm sure the shouting happens at the TV when you watch sport or football or something. In our household, shouting happens at the TV when we watch David Attenborough nature documentaries. There was one recently about a group of baby flamingos running across some kind of salty marsh and um, you saw them running and you were like, come on, baby flamingos. And then there'll be one hanging off the end of the group, being a bit vulnerable, not sure if he was going to catch up or make it. And you think you just shout, go flamingo, catch up with the group, avoid the horrible storks, which apparently eat flamingo babies, but catch up with the group and survive. And, you know, when they do, when they stay together, when they stay as a group and work together, then they grow into fully fledged, wonderfully pink flamingos. That is the promise for us. If we isolate ourselves, if we remove ourselves from this community, if we refuse to use our gifts, then we won't grow. We're in danger of being picked off, of falling behind, of becoming isolated. But when we stay together and work together, the promise is we will become mature. And you know what? That hasn't finished, Paul says, until we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're not there yet, but there is a promise. As we do this, we will grow. Stay together, work together, grow together. What does that look like for you in this season? I'm going to give us a moment to pray and reflect. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done and for the community that you build through us. Holy Spirit, I pray even now, as we listen to this, you might be pointing out different ways that we can stay together and work together in this season. Would you show us if there are particular things we can do? And would you help us to live this out? Give us the strength and the love when we don't have it to be this community you want us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue now with our prayers.